This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and we're finally, officially, at the midpoint, or at least where I'm going to say, the midpoint of the National Hockey League season. Over half of the teams have now officially played half of their schedule, so that's where we're going to draw the line. 17 NHL teams have hit and played game number 41, so with that in mind, I'm going to go through... And go through my tiers list, because at the beginning of the season, I I did a tiers list on on tier, ranker, whatever it is, and I put it out. There's a lot of those teams that are in different categories now, as everybody would expect. So I'll talk about all of those tiers in the second and in the third segment of this show. But to begin this show, I want to go coast to coast. There's a couple of stories from the National Hockey League and from the hockey world as a whole that I want to highlight over or from this past weekend. First and foremost... Let's talk about the Hershey Bears, because one of the most fun and one of the most, honestly, awe-inspiring visuals that I have seen in the calendar year of 2022, however young it is, 24, 25 days old, the Hershey Bears teddy bear toss. This is something that I have seen before, being from Pennsylvania, obviously that comes up, obviously being a hockey fan, that comes up all the time. We've seen the teddy bear toss before. But never like this. The Hershey Bears are, of course, the American Hockey League affiliate of the Washington Capitals. They do this every year. Didn't get to do it last year because of COVID. But this is an annual event where fans bring teddy bears to be donated to, among others, 25 different organizations and charities in the Hershey area. So there's no cap. There's no most that you're allowed to bring. You can bring... However many teddy bears you wish to bring. And then once the Hershey Bears, the home team, score their first goal, you just launch them all out, similar to a hat trick. Well, there were people in Hershey, Pennsylvania, that brought garbage bags full of teddy bears to donate. And not only did they have a ridiculous amount, so much so that there was a 30-minute delay in the game just to clean it up. There were players that were jumping into giant piles of stuffed animals on the ice like it was fall leaves and they were five-year-olds. Not only did all of that happen, but the Hershey Bears and their fans set a world record on Saturday with 52,341 stuffed animals donated. Absolutely. If you watch it, it's absolute like delirium. It's amazing to watch. It would be amazing to be a part of. It's something that, honestly, if uh, they're going to continue to do this. What am I saying? If for. But if they're going to continue to do this, you got to go see it in person. Like, eventually, this is going to be like a marquee matchup thing. And it's going to be a marquee event on the hockey calendar. And it's from an AHL team. So, kudos to Hershey and their marketing department on a fantastic event. A fantastic charity auction. Not even an auction. Fantastic charity effort. Like I said, it's going to 25 different organizations and charities in the Hershey area. 52,000 stuffed animals. It's hard to imagine. It, it, the visuals are even crazier. One other story I wanted to talk about before we get into my tiers list is one that came up on Monday evening. Keith Yandel, defenseman for the Philadelphia Flyers, has tied the NHL's Ironman record. Now, if you don't know what an Ironman record is, it is when a player just simply doesn't miss games. He plays in every single game. Every game that's on the schedule... He's lacing them up. He's in the lineup. So already a very impressive thing to make it a full season without an injury. There's not more than, especially in the years of COVID the past three seasons, there has not been more than like a handful of players on each team that play in every single game. Keith Yandel has played in every single game for whichever team he's played for. There's four of them, but he's played in every single game since March 26th of 2009. It'll be his 964th career consecutive game played on Monday night. And he'll have a chance to break the record on Tuesday night. So a back-to-back for Keith Yandel and the Philadelphia Flyers. 
Not many things are going right in Philadelphia right now. They've lost 11 straight, at least going into that game on Monday. I'm recording before it. But going into that game on Monday night, they had lost 11 straight, which is the second time this season that they've lost 10 or more in a row. It's not a great year for the Flyers. There's not many good takeaways for the Philadelphia Flyers. They fired their coach a couple months ago. It doesn't seem like they're going to make the playoffs. As of right now, they sit in dead last in the Metropolitan Division. But in seasons like this, you need to find the positives. You need to find those games where you have good things to celebrate to get you through to the end of the season where your general manager can try to fix things or, in this case, your general manager might be fired. (laughs) But Keith Yandel... For the Philadelphia Flyers, he's the one shining light, at least this week. He is the one shining light. He will be tying Doug Jarvis, the previous record holder, on Monday night. Doug Jarvis set the record back on Boxing Day. December 26th of 1986, he played 914 consecutive games at that point. And then he went on, obviously, to continue. But Keith Yandel, a player that is getting towards the end of his career, a player that Hasn't been, you know, Norris caliber his entire career, but he's been good enough. He's been good enough to continue to play in the National Hockey League for, what, 2009? So that's now 13 or 14 NHL seasons. The guy's a consummate professional. Obviously, if you follow the spit and chicklets, he's a great guy off the ice. Funny guy. Everybody loves him. Obviously, his, his friendship with Kevin Hayes has extended into their teammateship, now both with the Philadelphia Flyers. But it'll be a nice night on Monday night at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia where he ties the record. And then on Tuesday, he should be set to break the record at UBS Arena playing against the New York Islanders. So congratulations to Keith Yandel. Crazy accomplishment to play that many hockey games. I mean, you think about it, how many players play in 900 games altogether or 950 games altogether, let alone the fact that Keith Yandel's about to play in his 964th consecutive game. No injuries, no suspensions, nothing like that. He is always available, and everybody says the best ability is availability. Keith Yandel does that to an absolute T. He hasn't been, I mean, the season hasn't been great for Philadelphia. It, it really hasn't, and we'll talk about it when we get into our tiers list. They're not really a contender for the Shane Wright pick, the first overall pick. But they're not going to make the playoffs. Like, it's not a great season for the Philadelphia Flyers. So, between Yandel and then probably a farewell tour for Claude Giroux, because we all expect, and I talked about it on my Friday episode of the Hockey Hotbed, that Claude Giroux, the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, he's kind of on his way out. We all expect him to be traded by the March 21st deadline. So, we'll see what happens with all that. Keep our eye on it. But if you didn't tune in last night, to watch Keith Yandel tie the record against the Dallas Stars. Make sure you tune in tonight when they take on the New York Islanders. I believe that might be an ESPN Plus exclusive game, but I'm not sure. But make sure you tune in. Watch Keith Yandel break. Honestly, it's an impressive record. We talk about Alex Ovechkin potentially going out there and breaking Wayne Gretzky's goal record, which, yes, that is more impressive than this. But this is right up there. I mean... To play and to stay healthy, like I said, best availability or best ability is availability. And, you know, it's an impressive record to be broken. And congratulations to Keith Yandel on being able to do it. But I'm going to take a quick break. When I return, we're going to get to the season midpoint tiers because we are halfway through the National Hockey League regular season. And it's time to look at all of these teams as to where they're at and, and tier them as to who is, you know, who's going to be fighting for that number one selection and Shane Wright, who's just a draft lottery team that's probably going to get a mid-round pick and not have a chance at a stand, uh, playoff berth. And then we'll talk about the bubble teams, the playoff locks, and even finally, the Stanley Cup favorites, at least in my opinion. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we start that tiering process. We'll be right back. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. 
Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. 17 NHL teams have crossed the midway point of the season. It's sad, we only have half a year left, but at the same time, there's a lot of fun hockey left to be played. There's a lot of stories that are yet to be told. I mean, Jack Eichel's return is going to happen in the second half of the season for the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to see trades, the trade deadline's coming up. Claude Giroux might be going to a different team. You know, John Klingberg, Marc-Andre Fleury, they all might be wearing different sweaters by the time the second half of the season ends. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. It's going to be a fun second half, a lot of fun storylines set up, but let's tier these teams. Let's tier the entire National Hockey League because why not? Why not talk about them? And I have five different tiers here. Shane Wright Destinations is the first tier. Obviously the bottom of the bottom, the worst of the worst, the teams that basically have been done for a while now. We'll talk about them first. Then there's draft lottery teams, teams that I I don't really think are going to make a playoff push. It's going to take something miraculous for them to try to get into the NHL postseason. Then we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with the final three tiers. Bubble playoff teams who might make it, might not. They're good teams. They might not necessarily be good playoff locks, but they're teams that are in position right now to still make a push. Then we'll talk about the playoff locks, the teams that I think are, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, look at where they're at right now. Look at their schedule. Look at who they are. They're going to be in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. And then we're going to look at the Stanley Cup favorites. I had four at the beginning of the season. I have four now. But the list isn't the same. So we'll talk about that. And we're going to actually close the show with that. But let's start it off with destinations for Mr. Shane Wright. Now, first overall selections are always looked at as, you know, franchise-changing players. It changes the face of a franchise to get a number one overall pick, unless you're the Edmonton Oilers, in in which case even five will not help you change the face of your franchise. But, you know, Shane Wright expected to be better than Alexi Lafreniere when he entered, expected to be better than Jack Hughes when he entered the league, expected to be better than Nico Heischer when he entered the league. Realistically, a lot of people are saying, and this comes around basically every two or three years, this is the best pick at number one overall since Connor McDavid. That is, remains to be seen. I mean, this, the kid looked really good in what we saw of him in World Juniors. So maybe, but at the end of the day, we really won't know until next year. I mean, there's a huge step from playing in the CHL up in Canada and then jumping into the NHL at that young of an age. We've seen players start to excel and play better from an early age, but again, that much expectations. We've seen what's happened to Lafreniere. He's all right. He is a depth piece for the New York Rangers, but he's not what everybody expected him to be when he got drafted. So here are the potential, at least in my eyes, the tier for potential destinations for Shane Wright. The Montreal Canadiens are obviously the biggest surprise in this grouping. The the Habs, they were in the Stanley Cup Finals six months ago, seven months ago, and now they're the worst team in the National Hockey League. Mark Bergevin was fired three, not even three months ago. I mean, the guy already has a job in LA, but Mark Bergevin fired. Dominic Ducharme kind of on the hot seat there. A lot of their players in and out of the lineup due to covid Carey Price has yet to play a game this season for them. Shea Weber, who knows if he'll ever play a game again. This team is just surprisingly bad, honestly. We didn't expect the Montreal Canadiens to go out there and lead the Atlantic Division, especially considering the teams at the top of that division. But we didn't expect them to be dead last. Not only dead last in the Atlantic, dead last in the National Hockey League. And if history is any indicator, if they finish dead last, they probably won't get Shane Wright. So it's not a really... 
great time to be a fan of the Blue Blanc and Rouge. I mean, they're not having a good season. They're not having a good time. And for them, April can't come soon enough so they can try to reset and build this thing back from whatever happened in that locker room and whatever happened in the province of Quebec. So not great for the Montreal Canadiens to be in the Shane Wright destinations tier to start things off. Another team that we expected, though, Arizona Coyotes. They need this pick more than anybody else, really. I mean, who in the NHL, and I will fight anybody on this, which other franchise in the National Hockey League needs a franchise player more than the Arizona Coyotes? You can argue the Buffalo Sabres all you want. That's not the answer. Because the Sabres got Rasmus Dahlin a couple years ago, and he has turned out to be a very good player. They have some pretty good players on that team. Everything that has happened in Arizona in the past two years has been negative. Like, they broke down their team halfway last offseason, yet they held on to Jacob Chikrin to try to build around him. He's having one of the worst years of his career. They held on to Phil Kessel for some reason. They're going to end up trading him here in the next, hopefully in the next month. If they hold on to him throughout the end of this contract year, it would be blatantly stupid. So he's going to get traded somewhere. They need to break it down and build up around something, somebody. And Shane Wright might be that player. It might not be fair for Shane Wright to step in and go down to Arizona because there's nothing there. I mean, they have some pieces, but realistically, that franchise needs a whole ass overhaul. And he would happen to be, you know, piece number one, which is nice for him because that gives him a level of importance right off the bat. But, I mean, name a team that needs this more than the Arizona Coyotes, which means it probably won't happen. So we'll see what happens with that. But the Arizona Coyotes, we expect them to be bad. The Kachinas look great. I'm not going to lie. And I, that's basically the only positive thing I've been able to say all year on this podcast about the Arizona Coyotes. Their Kachina jerseys look great. And Carol Vimelka is actually a pretty half-decent goaltender. I mean, his rookie year has not been bad. So that's the best I can do for the Coyotes. They still sit in the Shane Wright destinations tier. The Buffalo Sabres, I did mention them. Uh, the return for a Jack Eichel has looked half decent here early on. Alex Tuck is excited to be in Buffalo, and he's playing really well. I mean, they got a really good player in him. Vegas, there's a reason that Vegas loved him so much. He was a key, I mean, he was a key cog in that team for all four of their first years. So it's nice for them to get a guy like Alex Tuck who's excited to be in Buffalo, who's excited to be a Sabre, and who's playing pretty well. And then, of course, Peyton Krebs, who they tried not to mess him up. They sent him down to the AHL and the Rochester Americans to start. He comes up. He scores his first two career goals over the weekend, one being a half breakaway and the other one chasing a goaltender. So if, if you're in Buffalo, you didn't expect to be good this year. This is, the, is going to go down as the season you traded Jack Eichel and the season you gave up on the Jack Eichel era, which is understandable. But, I mean, the return isn't looking bad. You expect to finish in last. And maybe, just maybe, you get Shane Wright for your troubles. The Seattle Kraken... I mean, they're an expansion team, and they're taking their lumps. This is what we expected to see from the Vegas Golden Knights in year one. But when you look at Seattle, the, the problem isn't the fact that they don't have the scoring, which they really don't. I mean, they, they've had some players that have played well, but they really don't have that top-line scoring. They don't have a guy like a William Carlson who's going to score 40 goals this year. And they've also not gotten the goaltending. That was supposed to be their strength. Getting Philip Grubauer from Colorado getting Joey Decord from Ottawa, getting Chris Drieger from Florida, they were expected to have three pretty solid options, a goaltender. None of them have panned out this year. Now, Grubauer, I would expect to bounce back at some point, but yeah, their goaltending has been has been trash, which is why they're in the bottom five in the National Hockey League. Now, if they were able to get Shane Wright, one, the entire National Hockey League is going to have an uproar, at least the fan bases, because... There are obviously have always been people that are, you know, pay your dues and such and such. The Kraken are paying their dues this season, but if they go out there, get the second overall pick last year in Matty Beneers, and then get the first overall pick the second year of existence with Shane Wright, I mean, the future would be very bright for Seattle, but the, the haters would come out in full force, and that's one way to make the Kraken a villain very early on is to give them Matty Beneers and Shane Wright in back-to-back -back drafts. So, Again, not too much of a surprise. I initially had them as a playoff bubble team just because of, I think, what we saw in Vegas. And I also liked their goaltending and their defense, and that just hasn't panned out. So they bounced down into Shane Wright destinations, and there's one last team. 
the Ottawa Senators. They are clearly a Shane Wright destination, much worse than I expected them to play this year. They're a very young team. They're a very skilled team. And adding Shane Wright potentially to that roster, it would almost be unfair. I mean, we've seen Drake Batherson have a really, really good season. He is very young for the Ottawa Senators. He's heading to his first All-Star game here in a couple weeks. So he's had a good season. Brady Kachuk is the captain for the first time. He's having a pretty good season. Obviously, you have Josh Norris. You have guys like Alex Formanton, Thomas Shabbat. They need better goaltending. They traded for Matt Murray a couple years back. I feel like Matt Murray is getting close to the point where he's done. Like, he's done-done. He just falls out of the National Hockey League because spending time in the AHL this year is not a good look. The Senators are trying to save something, but it's not really working. So they're going to have to lean on a guy like Philip Gustafson, Anton Forsberg. These guys are going to have to step up for the Ottawa Senators. But you expected them to be at least a playoff bubble team or at least not in the bottom five of the league, yet here we are again. So it'd be nice to see another skill player go up to Ottawa. Maybe they could figure it out eventually, but for the Senators, just not a great season altogether up to this point, and they're right now trending more in the direction of getting a chance at the first overall pick than they are the playoffs. So let's move over to the second tier. So the first tier is Shane Wright destinations, or at least potential Shane Wright destinations. That's Montreal Canadiens, Arizona Coyotes, Sabres, Kraken, and Senators. Those are the five that I have in that tier. The bottom tier, the lowest of the low. Now let's talk about the ones a little bit better. That's the draft lottery teams. The teams that, they're not really going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to push for the playoffs, but they're not quite bad enough to be the worst tier. And to start things off, I already talked about them a little bit because of Keith Yandel. The Philadelphia Flyers have had a historically bad season. They're getting close to tying the historic worst run in franchise history. And they almost did it twice this year. Nothing is going right for them. Chuck Fletcher threw some Hail Marys in there. I mean, trading a first-round pick for Rasmus Ristolainen is always going to be a move that he's going to have to answer for. But he tried changing things up. He tried trading Jake Voracek. He tried getting rid of the, the projects they had in Shane Gossespierre and Nolan Patrick. He tried bringing in character guys like a Keith Yandel, like a Ryan Ellis. I mean, and some of it has been injuries. Ryan Ellis has been out for a while. And some of it has just been, they're not a good team. They're, they're not a good hockey team. They're going to have to break it down. At this point, if you continue to try to just retool instead of rebuild, you're just going to further along your agony and your sadness because this team is not good enough to be a playoff team right now their goaltending has been good in Carter Hart he's been much better than he was last year but the defense in front of them is poor there have been times where due to COVID and due to injuries they've been basically the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and that's it it's just been a rough season for the Flyers so they're a draft lottery team close to them the New Jersey Devils are also a draft lottery team I had a little bit higher expectations for the Devils they haven't met them there have been games where they outshot, I mean, there was a couple, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, they outshot a team like 28 to 8 and lost the game like 4 to 1. It was something really bad like that. Mackenzie Blackwood hasn't had a great season in net for them. Jack Hughes missed six or seven weeks due to separated shoulder. Now, he has been a bright spot since his return. He's going to the All-Star game. But this team is very young. There is a bright future. They're in a much better position than the Philadelphia Flyers are. But this team is a draft lottery team again. I mean, I expected them to push a little bit more. But I guess that's just kind of the story of all of these teams in this tier here. Expected more from them. Didn't get it. Speaking of teams like that, here's another one. Chicago Blackhawks. I thought, you know, adding Seth Jones, as much as he's overrated and I don't really like him. Adding Marc-Andre Fleury, as much as, you know, you can only do as much as good as the people in front of you. I thought they'd be better. Getting Jonathan Taves back. Taves didn't play last year. I thought they would be much better. And yes, they've gotten some great performances. Flurry's numbers for a bottom-dwelling team are impressive. Alex Dabrinkit's numbers for a bottom-dwelling team are impressive. That's why he's headed to the All-Star game. Patrick Kane playing pretty well. It's just his team does not defend. They don't help their goaltenders out. And they can't play consistent hockey. So the Chicago Blackhawks are a draft lottery team once again. A lot of people that hated them during their run in the early 2010s are sitting here salivating at the fact that this team, once again, is in the bottom half of the Central Division. The New York Islanders. I have this team asterisked because this is a team that, but at the beginning of the season, they were a Stanley Cup favorite to me. They made the Stanley Cup semifinals. 
the past two seasons in a row. Losing only to the Tampa Bay Lightning last year in Game 7, in a one to nothing Game 7, on the road. I thought this team was much better. They brought back basically everybody. I guess, I mean, what do you attribute it to? I mean, is it because they're just too old and eventually it caught up with them? I don't think so. It doesn't help that they added, you know, Zdeno Char and Zach Parise, two older gentlemen in their own right. But this team, I feel like it's a combination of the fact that they started their season on a franchise history, NHL history, long 16-game road trip because their arena wasn't ready. And then they finally come back to their arena and they were bad. And they've been bad for the majority of the season. They finally climbed out of the basement of the Metro because the Flyers have taken their spot as being embarrassingly bad. And they've played better. Their stars are playing better. Matt Barzal, I mean, after putting up some wanted posters, they finally found him. And he finally found some production. But this team's going to be a draft lottery team. I mean, this team, looking at their division, and we'll get to all these teams in a bit, but look at their division. The Rangers are in first. The Penguins are in second. The Hurricanes are in third. And the Capitals are in fourth. This team, the way they played at the beginning of the season, there's no way they're catching any of those four teams. The East is a very interesting conference, and we'll talk about that after the break because we're going to get into playoff teams and bubble playoff teams. There's not really a bubble in the East. It's a kind of a dichotomy between there's playoff teams, there's draft lottery teams, and then there's the Detroit Red Wings. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but the Islanders, they just, they're not good enough. The Columbus Blue Jackets are the last draft lottery team specific that I have on this tier. They had a really good start to the season, and they're still bouncing around 500, which for them is higher than the expectations I had. I don't know what expectations they had in, in Columbus, but it couldn't have been that good. <laughs> I mean, you trade away Cam Atkinson, who was a major piece of your puzzle for a long time, to bring in a guy like, you know, Jacob Voracek, who started his career in Columbus. We talked about him hitting his 1,000th game a couple weeks ago. So he's played well. You're trying to get Max Domi and Patrick Laine to play to any level towards their potential because they they haven't in the past three seasons. So you're trying to fix them. Those are projects. You have Jonas Corposalo, who's a pretty good goaltender in his own right, but he's been expected to be traded this entire season. So that's a weird situation. You have Merz Lincolns. He's your guy. That's a good uh, good sign. Zach Wierenski's going to be an all-star. He's having a good season. But, I mean... It's a weird team because are they built to be a playoff team? Not yet. They're built to be a rebuilding team, but it seems like they're going to try to retool and they're going to try to make it on the backs of, you know, hopefully a fixed Patrick Laine, hopefully a fixed Max Domi, hopefully a continued impressive Elvis Mares Lincolns. So the Columbus Blue Jackets are a weird team. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? No. Do I think they're going to push for a spot? No, because they're in a tough division. Do I think they're better than the other three teams from the Metro that I mentioned in this tier? Yeah, they're better than the Flyers this year. They're better than the Devils. They're, as of right now, they're better than the Islanders. But at the same time, they're not a playoff team. So the second tier, draft lottery teams, Philadelphia Flyers, New Jersey Devils, Chicago Blackhawks, New York Islanders, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm going to take a quick break. When I return, the final three tiers... Bubble playoff teams, playoff locks, and Stanley Cup favorites right after the break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. In fact, if you use promo code THPN at sign-up this week, you get 56-1 to 1 odds on any of the four NFL teams playing in championship weekend. So that's a great opportunity right there. Make sure you use promo code THPN when you sign up at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We're going to finish off this episode with my final three tiers. I already talked about Shane Wright Destinations tier, which is the lowest of the low in the National Hockey League halfway through the season. We talked about, you know, the playoff lottery teams, or the draft lottery teams, I should say. 
the teams that aren't quite the dog shit of the National Hockey League, but they're they're almost there. They starting to stink a little bit, that's for sure. So now at the midpoint, let's talk about the teams that have a chance at doing anything this year. Let's talk about the playoff bubble teams. You know, could they stay or could they go? We don't know. Let's start in the Western Conference because the list is much longer in the West, and it starts with the Vancouver Canucks. I wanted to, I want to have them in the playoff bubble team picture because, you know, about a month ago, I said whenever they were in the midst of that hot streak, whenever they got Bruce Boudreau, I said, you know what? Vancouver Canucks, mark my words, they're making the postseason. They've cooled off since then. They're not sitting in the best position, but I think they still have the talent. They finally do have the coach. And I think looking at everybody else in their division, they have the ability. If they if they, they got to win games, like it's not going to be an easy road. This is a very, very hot take that I had. So this is not going to be an easy road. But I still think the Canucks are a playoff bubble team. I still think they make the postseason because I believe in the skill of that team. I believe in the goaltending of Thatcher Demko, who is an all-star this year. I believe in Pedersen and Hughes and all of these guys to get over that hump. I think it's also the fact that I don't quite trust the people ahead of them. One of them being the Edmonton Oilers. A team that, before the season started, I said, you know what? They're a playoff lock. There were times where we said, you know, McDavid, not really a lock to be in the playoffs just because they have McDavid. Well, the last two years, they've been in pretty good positions after the regular season. Last year, they were in second place in the Canada North Division. Now, they lost in the first round of the Jets. Embarrassingly so. They got swept. But they made it to the playoffs. They played well in the regular season. The year prior to that, they were the fifth best team in the Western Conference when COVID shut the season down. Now, they went into the playoffs and they lost to the 23rd seed in the National Hockey League, Chicago Blackhawks, in the play-in round. But this isn't a question of whether or not they can succeed in the postseason. It's a question of, are they a playoff lock? And I thought that they were. They're a bubble team. They finally won a game over the weekend. I mean, good good for Leon Dreisaitl because there's liter- there were literally, and I think I've mentioned this three times already since it happened, but there's literally a writer that has called him pissy to his face. Like, why are you so pissy, Leon? Yeah, he's probably like, well, because our team sucks. He's the only player doing anything besides Connor McDavid. There's no help there. They don't have good goaltending. They don't have a great defense. They're trying to carry this team to the postseason because Edmonton, the market demands so much success. You think about it, it's the market of Gretzky. It's the market of Messier. It's the market of Yari Curry. There is so many expectations because they have two world-class players that once they lose, however many games in a row it was, seven-game losing streak, and they had only had two wins since the beginning of December, when that happens, I would imagine that the star players are going to start to get a little pissy. So the Edmonton Oilers... They're a bubble playoff team. I didn't think they'd be here. I, I, I'm genuinely surprised. Between the Islanders and the Oilers, something about orange and blue not having a great year. As of right now, they don't sit in a playoff spot with two of the best players in the National Hockey League. That is almost repulsive, to be completely honest. Let's move on because I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to get too far into the Edmonton Oilers issues. I think we already had a full segment of that two weeks ago. Let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets. They were my dark horse, and literally, if you listen to anything I do, I probably mentioned this, and you've probably heard me say this at least a half dozen to a dozen times. The Winnipeg Jets are my dark horse to win the Stanley Cup, and I will stand by that until the day they pack their stuff up and go golfing for the end of the season. Because even though they lost on Sunday, for the first two periods of play, I saw what the Winnipeg Jets at their best are. They're a heavy, physical team with some of the best talented forwards in the National Hockey League and one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Connor Hellybuck shut down the Pittsburgh Penguins for the first 40 minutes of play. The defense played pretty well in front of Connor Hellybuck. And the skilled players, Blake Wheeler, goal and an assist, coming back in his second game, looking much better, and Kyle Connor being, you know, one of the best players in the league now. <laughs> one of the best players, one of the best scorers, in the National Hockey League. So are they a bubble playoff team? Yes, just because of where they're sitting. But, you know, I, I think they'll be able to make probably a wild card spot. That Central Division is tough this year. It's much tougher than I gave it credit for at the beginning of the season. 
So I think the Jets make it, and once they make the playoffs, I mean, my dark horse for a reason. They're a tough team to beat. They are built for the playoffs as well, so we'll see. The Dallas Stars, I have them as a bubble playoff team simply because there have been stretches of two weeks, a week here, a week there, where they're impossible to beat. But when they're not impossible to beat, they're very easy to beat. It's weird. There's no middle ground. They're either absolutely awful or they're really, really good. You know, Tyler Sagan, I think we can stop the belief that Tyler Sagan is the best player on that team. I don't know if that was ever the case, maybe right after he got traded, but Tyler Sagan is probably the third or fourth, maybe the fifth best player on the Dallas Stars. I would argue Rupe Hintz is much, much better. He's having a great season. I would argue Joe Pavelski is much better. I would argue, obviously, Haskinen and Klingberg are much better. And then their goaltenders probably on the same level. No matter who's in there. Whether it's Ottinger, whether it's Holtby, whether it's Hudobin. That's a weird situation down there in Dallas. If they could find consistency, they'd be a playoff lock. But they have not found consistency at all this season. So, they're a bubble playoff team. The Calgary Flames. I didn't even realize the Flames went on such a cold streak until I saw that they were pretty much right where the Oilers were outside of the playoffs. I I mean, part of it because I live on the East Coast and it's hard to watch Calgary Flames games because they all start at 1030. But I didn't, I don't understand what happened. <laughs> like, Jacob Markstrom was playing like above and beyond. I got to stop saying the word like, but he was playing above and beyond what anybody expected him to play. Everybody knew he was a good goaltender, but he was unbeatable early in the season. So I guess regression to the mean for him and regression to the mean for guys like Andrew Mangiapane, Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, that would mean they're not going to win a lot of hockey games, but also COVID plays a factor. They have several games in hand, so they can bounce right back into the playoffs. Not that big of an issue. This is a team that was almost stranded in Chicago for Christmas. Luckily, they were able to get home and then didn't play for two weeks, two and a half, three weeks, something like that. So they, they're going to have a rough stretch to the end of the season. They have the games in hand to, to get into the playoffs, but when you're playing that many games, probably going to be close to four a week, every week for the end of the season. It's going to be a tough stretch for the Calgary Flames. Then the last three bubble playoff teams that I have in the West are the three California teams, the Sharks, the Kings, and the Ducks. I think the Sharks and the Kings more so are bubble teams, mainly because the Ducks have played at a much higher level for a longer portion of the season. The Sharks, I mean, if they make the playoffs, that's a bonus. If they don't make the playoffs, you're rebuilding right now. I, I don't know how you can say you're rebuilding with two plus million dollar defensemen in Brett Burns and, and Eric Carlson, but you're technically a rebuilding team. If you make the playoffs, that is a bonus. Like, it, be happy about it. Seriously, this is a team that can play really, really well on some days, can score a lot of goals some days. You look at Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer; they're having some of the best seasons that they have ever had. And when you have that, your team is going to get up into the playoffs, especially when the Oilers and, and the Flames are playing as poorly as they have been playing. So the Sharks have taken advantage. The Kings have taken advantage as well. Getting some really good play from Jonathan Quick. Who saw that coming? The resurrection of Jonathan Quick late in his career. He's playing great. It's good. The Ducks, on the other hand, they've played better more consistently throughout the season. Troy Terry, it's not a fluke. He's done it now for half a season. He's having a breakout year. Trevor Zegras, there's a reason he is going to be a finalist for the Calder. He's having a great year. Jamie Drysdale is quietly playing really well on their defensive side. And they're a team that, again, is rebuilding. If they come out here and continue to play like this and make the playoffs, that is a bonus. They have a guy like Mason McTavish, who I believe might be going to the Olympics, that played in a couple games this year, is going to be, he's going to be a great player whenever he makes it to the Ducks. So this is a team that whether they make the playoffs or not, they're heading in a great direction. So let's talk about the East. I already talked about the fact that the East is basically playoff teams, non-playoff teams, and then there's the Detroit Red Wings. They're a bubble team because there was a time where they were holding down a playoff spot for the entire first two and a half months of the season. Now they are out of a playoff spot. Now they are falling far behind the Boston Bruins for the second wildcard spot. They are not even within sniffing distance of the top three of the Atlantic. And similar to those California teams, 
the Iser plan is not quite in the, the mode that it's going to be playoff contention. This would have been an, a plus, but looking at what they've built, looking at what they've shown this season, I mean, Raymond, Lucas Raymond is really good. Mo Sider is really good. Alex Nedeljkovic is really good, and all three of them are rookies. Not only are they good for rookies, they are good National Hockey League players already. They are stars. Dylan, or not Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin is going to the All-Star Game, and he's having a great season. But Lucas Raymond, he was the last man in guy for the Red Wings. There's a chance he could have been in the All-Star Game after only playing in like 30 games. So the Red Wings are in a good position. They're a bubble playoff team. The Boston Bruins, I have them as a bubble playoff team because there is a chance that they just completely fall off the face of the earth simply because they don't have the depth. This is the perfection line and then a whole bunch of scrubs, basically. Not scrubs, but below... Their, their second line is a third line, basically. Taylor Hall is there, and then that's basically it. They need to make a move to be able to contend this year. It helps that they got Tuka Rask back. Definitely. And he's playing pretty well. Coming off a of hip surgery, that's a good sign. I mean, you never know how that's going to end up, but coming off of a hip, sur- hip surgery... They allowed him to recover. Then they signed him to $1 million. We've talked about this before. The Bruins are in a good position to potentially be a wrecking ball in the Eastern Conference. But as of right now, halfway through the season, I'll say they're a bubble playoff team, even though I really don't quite believe it. So the bubble playoff teams in the West, there's a lot. In the West, it's the Canucks, the Oilers, the Jets, the Stars, the Flames, the Sharks, the Kings, the Ducks. In the East, it's simply the Red Wings and the Bruins. And the Bruins are not really a playoff bubble team. The only reason I wanted to do that is to give the Red Wings any modicum of hope because they've been pretty good and they're kind of sitting on an island by themselves. Wanted to give them some company in the Boston Bruins. So let's move to playoff locks before we get to the grand finale of Stanley Cup favorites. Playoff locks in the West that aren't Cup favorites. The St. Louis Blues, a team that... I kind of disrespected the entire first half of the season. Even when they were in first place in the Central Division, I said, that's a joke. You know, I, I, don't, I didn't believe in Jordan Bennington. I didn't believe in that roster, really. I didn't understand how big of a deal it was to have Pavel Buchnevich there, and he's been great. I mean, I mean, the Blues won that trade in a steal. Buchnevich for Blay, easy, easy steal for the St. Louis Blues. I didn't think Vladimir Tarasenko was going to go from wanting out to the best player on this team. Brandon Saad, I think everybody forgot that he signed there. He's had a really good season. He's been a great addition to the Blues. They're just a solid team. They're a solid Western Conference team. These guys are big. They're physical. I mean, you saw what Nico Mikula did to Cindy Crosby a couple weeks back. Now, it didn't bode well for the game, but this is a team that in the Western Conference... It's going to be a tough out because you're going to have to go through them, not around them. That's what they force you to do. They're a tough team to play against, and they've been a really good team this year, and they're going to be a playoff lock. The Nashville Predators are my next playoff lock, and wow, uh, when I talk about disrespecting teams, I said the pre- Predators were crap at the beginning of this season. I don't. I think I had them closer in my mind to a top pick in a Shane Wright destination than I did to the playoffs, and that is... That's my bad, because I guess I should have known, and I did say that UC Soros is, is going to be a really good goaltender, and he is, and he has been, but I didn't think that the forwards on this team were going to be that good. I didn't think the defense on this team was going to be as good as it is. I certainly didn't think like Philip Forsberg was going to come out here and be the second coming of Alex Ovechkin. The guy is just scoring at a commensurate rate that's absolutely ridiculous, so The Nashville Predators, they were in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2017. I'm not going to say they're going to go the whole way there this year, but they're not going to be an easy out. I mean, the whole Central Division is going to be tough. Whoever that two versus three matchup is in the Central, that's going to probably be, between that and the two versus three in the Atlantic and the Metro, those are going to be the best series of the entire Stanley Cup playoffs probably. At least the first round. Speaking of Central Division teams, playoff lock, the Minnesota Wild. It's been a long time since we've been able to say the Wild are a playoff lock halfway through a year. Last year, you looked at the Wild and you said, you know, they're playing pretty well. They ended up third in that weird Western division because of the realignment. But they're a playoff lock this year. They're a team that could 
realistically threaten for the top spot in the Central Division. Now, they'd have to go through another team that's going to be a Stanley Cup favorite for me. And honestly, for that to happen, they need to make a trade. They need to add somebody. Either a goaltender, a defenseman, or a forward. Add somebody, at least one person, to that roster. Now, the Minnesota fans, including a good friend that was on the show a couple weeks ago, State of Hoppy, is probably yelling through their phone or device or however they're listening to this, saying, yeah, how about a center? How about a center for the Minnesota Wild? They did sign Eric Stahl to a minor league contract. It seems as if probably just to get him some training before he goes over to to Beijing to perform in the Olympics for Team Canada. But they need centers. Marco Rossi came up, played a couple games, but he's not going to be ready. You know, he was touted to be the most NHL-ready player of that amazing draft a couple years back. He's dealt with injuries. He's dealt with COVID at an a level that most people cannot understand how bad he was hit with COVID. So that has really set him back. They need to trade for a center. They were in the Jack Eichel sweepstakes for a while. That would have been a huge move for them, but Billy Guerin didn't pull the trigger or either that or whatever they were asking was not enough from the Buffalo Sabres, but they need to make a move. They are a playoff lock though. And that's the first time we can say that in a long time about the Minnesota wild. Moving over to the East, playoff locks. The Washington Capitals, Alex Ovechkin is six or seven goals away from Yarmir Yager for third all-time in the in the National Hockey League history. That's pretty good. And the Capitals have been pretty good right alongside them. Uh, they've fallen behind a little bit. They were in first place in the Metro for a while. Now they're in fourth. So they've taken a couple steps back, but you know, getting Nick Backstrom back is huge. I don't think TJ Oshie is playing. I don't really know. I haven't seen much from TJ Oshie. I know for a fact that Anthony Mantha is not playing. And that is a big player. There's a reason they traded Jacob Vrana in a first, and I believe some other pieces, for Anthony Mantha at the deadline last year. They need him healthy. So the Capitals, yeah, they're a playoff lock. The regime is getting close to ending in Washington and and therefore also getting close to ending in Pittsburgh where they're just always playoff locks. It's coming to an end, but not this year. Not for Washington, not for the Pittsburgh Penguins who are another playoff lock. The Penguins are the hottest team in the National Hockey League since the beginning of December. They've lost two games since December 4th, including this year now, three win streaks of five games or more. They had a 10-game win streak in the middle of this little run, and I believe they've won 17 of the past 19 games to catapult themselves up into second place in the Metropolitan Division, create a lot of separation between them and the Detroit Red Wings, and make them, at least in my eyes, a playoff lock. I don't want to make them a Stanley Cup favorite. Some people are, especially in in the city limits of Pittsburgh and in in the, the Twitterverse of Pittsburgh. They're making them Stanley Cup favorites, which they're not. But it's hard not to think of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, the way Tristan Jari has been playing. You look at that lineup and you say, yeah, it's going to be scary if they play this way in April, in May. It's going to be a hard team to beat because they know how to win. They've done it before. And it's not like they've done it once. They've done it a lot in their career. So it's going to be a tough team to beat towards the end of the season. Going into the second half, they are a playoff lock. The Toronto Maple Leafs, you know... They've played at a level that could be considered Stanley Cup favorite, but I'm never going to call the Maple Leafs a Stanley Cup favorite until not only do they need to make the playoffs, not only do they need to win a round, they're not a Stanley Cup favorite in my eyes until they make the Stanley Cup finals. I can't trust this team. Austin Matthews has taken this team to the playoffs in every single year that he's been there, and they've lost in the first round every single time. I don't need to say that, but I like saying that. Because it just helps drive my point home. Everybody knows this. It is a meme. It is the biggest meme in all of the National Hockey League. But that doesn't mean that this team isn't really good. This team's always really good in the regular season. No different this year. They're a playoff lock. New York Rangers. Coming into this year, Rangers had high hopes for themselves. Chris Drury went out and bought pieces to be... He bought playoff pieces for a team that hasn't made the playoffs. It was questioned. But look at them now. They're in first place in the Metro. You know, the Broadway Blue Shirts are back. They're finally a contender in their division for the first time in a long time. You know, Henrik Lundqvist is in town. They're going to do his number ceremony. Uh, They're going to retire his number. That's going to be an awesome moment coming up this week. So 
I will be watching that. And the New York Rangers have had a good year. You know, they're retiring Henrik Lundqvist's number because he was so good without a team in front of him. Now they have a goaltender that's uh, scary enough to say, early on in his career, he's just as good as Henrik Lundqvist, but he has a team in front of him. I'm sure Hank is looking at this and saying, what the hell is this? Why couldn't we have this type of team when I was a rookie? Why couldn't we have this type of team whenever I was in my prime, whenever I was winning Vezinas? He's probably jealous. And Igor Shosturkin, I mean, a lot of people are envious of his position because right now he is the best goaltender in the league. He is the front runner for the Vezina Trophy. And the team around him is pretty damn good too. You know, Artemi Panarin being the leader of the entire group there. The last team that I have is playoff lock, and I really almost want to put them at a favorite. They're right on the line for me. The Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know if I can make them a favorite just because there's something off about that team. Part of it's their goaltending. I don't know if I can trust Freddie Anderson in the playoffs. I don't know if it was Freddie Anderson's fault or the Maple Leafs' fault that neither of them could win when he was there in the postseason. We'll find out this year. I mean, that'll be a nice little story to find out. But I don't know if I quite trust Freddie Anderson. The one person I do trust is Rod Brindamore, their coach. They have a really good team. They play a really good team game. And they're coached really, really well. They're easily a playoff lock. I think you can easily place them in at least the second round if you're trying to project out. And they're a team that is a, a, a large threat to be in the conference finals. And in the Stanley Cup. I can't quite... Something is off to me that I can't make them a Stanley Cup favorite. I can't put them in that tier. But they're easily a playoff lock. So my locks. In the Western Conference, the St. Louis Blues, the National Predators, and the Minnesota Wild. In the East, Caps, Pens, Leafs, Rangers, and Canes. Easy enough, that leaves four teams. 28 have been named, four remain. So if you're... Keeping track at home, you know the four teams I'm going to mention. Two in the West, two in the East. Two teams in the West that met last year in the playoffs gave us a pretty good series. Two teams that I would not be surprised to see in the Western Conference Finals this year. In fact, it's almost expected. First and foremost, the Colorado Avalanche. They had a poor start to the season. They did. Did not look good. Lots of COVID issues. Lots of games postponed, lots of games canceled. Now they sit there with making up some of those games in hand, and look at that. They're at the top of the Central Division. They're at the peak. The Colorado Avalanche, they're sending three players to the NHL All-Star game, and that seems like it's not enough. Nathan McKinnon might not be scoring a lot of goals, but he's putting up assists like it's nobody's business. Nazem Kadri has over 50 points this season already in 41 games, halfway through the season. So, career year for him. Then, of course, you have Kale McCarr. Norris Trophy favorite right now. That's pretty good. You have Miko Ranton and Gabe Landeskog, who are still really good. This is just a team that's really good. They're doing everything we expected them to do after a slow start. Darcy Kemper in his first year in Colorado. Listen, he was great in Arizona. It's easy to be and look great in Arizona the way they've been the last couple of years. Goes to Colorado. The expectations are a little bit higher. Sometimes it makes it more difficult to meet those expectations. Lately, he has been. Was a rough start with a new team, though. The other team in the West that I have as a Stanley Cup favorite is the Vegas Golden Knights. This team, and I'm very excited to see what happens. This team went from worst start in franchise history. This is only their fifth season. Worst start in franchise history. People saying, ah, you shouldn't have got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury. Can Robin Leonard do it? No. Who's their backup? Lauren Brassois? He's he's trash. Well, they're in first again. At some point, they'll be bad. They're not bad. That's not going to happen this year. Not only did they lose Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone early on in the season, that's why they struggled. They lost Max Pacioretty again. He is out again. When he was in, he was the best player in the National Hockey League for that brief, what, two, three-week stretch. So he's one of the best players in the league when he's healthy. Eventually, they will get him back. And eventually, he's skating with the team now. He's practicing with the team now in a bright red no-contact jersey. You cannot miss him if you watch a Vegas practice. That's Jack Eichel. 
People are forgetting how good Jack Eichel is. How good he was for such a bad team in Buffalo. You're going to give him competent line mates? You're going to put him on a competent team? You're going to take the pressure off of him? He doesn't have to wear the C because Mark Stone is, and Mark Stone is a hell of a captain. You're going to tell him to just go out there and play his game? In Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, when that happens, the Golden Knights go to the top of my, my power rankings. I don't care. I don't need to see it. The second they say, yeah, they've activated Jack Eichel to the lineup and to the main roster, they're automatically my top power rank team. So yeah, they're a favorite. I think that's pretty easy to say and pretty fair to say. Uh, last two teams, Stanley Cup favorites. Only two teams I haven't talked about. They both hail from Florida. One of them is the Florida Panthers. I asked at the beginning of the season, have you jumped on the Florida Panthers bandwagon? Because a lot of people have. I said, I don't know if I have yet. Well, I should have. I should have because I could have been one of the many, many people that jumped on it early and said, hey, I've been right this whole time. I have not. I didn't jump on the Panthers bandwagon. I said, I don't know about the goaltending, and I still don't. Of these four teams, they're probably the least likely to me. I'd be the most surprised if that team won other compared to the other three. But there's not really any hole in their forward lineup. Their defense is more than serviceable. Their goaltending is interesting. Sergei Bobrovsky has the ability to be a top goaltender in this league. Is he always? No. No. There's times where he gives up six, seven, eight goals in a game. Spencer Knight has had a pretty good season. The guy is very young. I mean, goaltenders, we always talk about the fact that goaltenders don't come into their own really until they're like 24 or 25. Spencer Knight is, what, 20 years old? 21 years old? So he has a lot of room to grow. And he's still showing some performances that prove why he was the top goaltending prospect in the National Hockey League. So the Panthers are a Stanley Cup favorite. I'm sure people in Florida would love to see them make it out of the first round. If they have to play the Lightning like they did last year in the first round, might not be possible. But uh, at least the, what, 50% that they fill that arena down there in Sunrise, Florida, that 50% of fans really would like, love to see them get in the second round. That is pathetic, though. I did see the uh, see the numbers on attendance. The Florida Panthers are top three in the league. Exciting team. It's not like they're the... New York Islanders when they were at their peak this past couple of years, and they're they're not the most fun hockey to watch. The Panthers are one of the funnest, most fun teams to watch in all of hockey. They don't not only do they not sell out their arena, they only fill it to seventy percent capacity on average. It's not great, not great. You know, everybody talks about move the Arizona Coyotes, and yeah, there's obviously room to talk about that, but at least the Arizona Coyotes are bad. At least there's a reason for people not to go to those games. The Panthers are one of the best teams in the league. Still can't sell out that arena. Oh, well. And the last team that I have to talk about here, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, they're a Stanley Cup favorite because they've won the past two years. Yeah, once again, they're the top team in the Atlantic Division. Yes, once again, they're going to threaten for the best team in all of hockey throughout the entire regular season. Andre Vasilevsky... Vezina caliber again. Victor Hedman is Norris caliber again. It almost gets boring how good this team is on a consistent basis year in and year out. But they're, I mean, they're, they're a Stanley Cup favorite. So my favorites are the Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Florida Panthers, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The only big difference from preseason is take the Islanders, shoot them into the sun because that's where they've sent their season. And uh, insert the Florida Panthers there. So those are my five tiers. I hope everybody enjoyed it because we are halfway through the National Hockey League season. We have 41 games left. Some teams have less. Some teams have more. But over half of the league has played at least 41 games. So we are at the halfway point. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you guys on Friday. And I promise this time I will have my hockey hotbed three stars of the week but that's going to do it for this episode thank you and we'll see you guys on friday have a good week hockey fans